0: No, chapter 6. Hebrews 6, we, we ended chapter 5 in, in the class. Oh, you just give me a hard time? All right. Remember, I've got the mic up here for as long as this service lasts. No, I love you. I love you, Dawn. Church wouldn't be the same without the hecklers. Amen? All right. Jesus had to put up with it. I guess I'll have to live with it. All right, Hebrews 6 and verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, listen to this, when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. God didn't dare to lay, he didn't dare to put the other half of this covenant in anyone's hands but himself. Amen? He knew he was the only Covenant keeping God that could see these promises through no matter how impossible they were or no how no matter how far out they were. amen and so he said because he 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 he, he couldn't swear by anyone greater than himself, he swore by himself. so the covenant to Abraham, he tells us why, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. This was a covenant that was established with Abraham before he had any children. And then he went on to be over a 100 before he had his first child. And this covenant was established. It was set in motion. It was covenant he swore by himself. And you might remember that account where they separated an animal and and, 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 and I think a burning flask and a, a light went through the middle as God in, uh, established that covenant in and of himself. In other words, it was founded in him and it would be completed by him. It says, and so, now th- th- this was an impossibility, this covenant apart from God, of which down through the centuries has blessed us, amen? It, it, was, it was literally an impossibility apart from God. And so verse 15, so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. This is talking about Abraham. He had to take, there was some patience that was worked into him, some character that was worked into him, some substance that was worked into him to be able to inherit this promise of God and yet not begin to worship the promise over the Promiser. Amen. Not begin to work, worship the promise over the one who made covenant, who cut covenant and promised him. He was he was tested. Do you remember he was asked to offer Isaac up on the mountain? He said, "Go offer your son, your only son, as a sacrifice to me." That was the test. That was one of the tests that he had. He waited what over twenty five years for this promise to be enacted. And then when it had, God said, "When he was," and I, I think Isaac was probably in his early twenties. And he offered. He he said, "I want you to take him up and sacrifice." Now, you had Isaac had to have some faith. He grew up with a dad like Abraham. He understood faith. He asked his father, "He, you know, I, I, I see the, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where's the lamb?" And his father said, God will provide himself a lamb, prophetic of Jesus. But this was being acted out as a prophetic demonstration. And God's a, how many of you know God's a great multitasker? He can work in more than one life at once. He can do more than one thing at a time in our lives. Amen? And so he told him to go up. He told him to offer him as a sacrifice. And as he, as he attempted to raise the knife... Isaac let him tie him to the altar, totally trusting, totally trusting the heart of his father and the heart of God. And he raised the knife, and God said, Don't do it. Now, God had to do what Abraham didn't have to do. He had to sacrifice his son. But there was a ram caught in the thicket, and God said, Offer that instead. And then he said, Abraham, now I know. I know that I'm preeminent in your life. I know that your promise is not an idol over the one who promised it. I know that the fulfillment of my promise is still in the context of my heart and my love and my covenant. And he released it. Now he says in verse 16, For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation... Is for them an end of all dispute. Have you ever heard that? Well, I no, I swear, swear to God, swear. to the, You know, men, men will swear to something over them when they're trying to make a point and trying to trying to make you understand that what they're saying is really true. Have you ever you ever heard that? This is what he's saying: For men indeed swear by a greater, and an oath for confirmation. That is the end of all disputes. And then the dispute's over. And he says. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. That means unchanging. His promises and the promises of God are yea and amen. They're unchanging. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Just like men look to, he confirmed it by, by an oath, by covenant. That by two immutable or unchanging things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. Two immutable things. The fact that God never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that God can't lie. What else can we say that about? He said, that's what what your hope needs to be rooted in. That's what your faith, amen, needs to be rooted in. That we have strong consolation who have fled for refuge, fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. Amen. He is our refuge. We, we, we live in crazy times. I think, I think this is the first time I've ever had total agreement. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. We do. We, we, it's bizarre. We're living in, I mean, things that just don't make any sense. There is no common sense involved. You say, what, what can I do? Well, number one, you need a place to flee. For your hope. We're going to talk about that. And number two, engage. Amen. From a platform of victory, begin to pray like you've never prayed. Begin to engage the principalities and powers that have an assignment over this nation. In the nations of the world. Begin to take the kingdom authority that God has given us, amen, and and humble ourselves before God and begin to press in and then then get involved in some way, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, making sure that we we do our our civic duty as well. And and if, if God starts to lay on your heart to get involved in some of these areas, don't fight it. Just say, God, give me the grace, the anointing, the power to do it. Amen. But we live in crazy times and, and it's like the winds of deception, the winds of fear, the winds of fraud, the, the, the winds of immorality and, and, and uh, idolatry and, 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 and the Jezebel spirit, I mean, it, they're just blowing rampantly throughout the country. We need an anchor. And we have an anchor. Lay hold of the hope set before us. This is how we, we engage it by faith. Faith, hope gives substance. Faith gives substance to hope. He said, this hope we have. Look at verse 19. It's available. We have it. This hope we have as an anchor of our souls, both sure and steadfast, which enters in the presence behind the veil. Oh, I love this. The hope we have is an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Amen. In other words, we have a high priest that is sitting on the right hand of the Father in the very throne room of God, and in that high priest, in Jesus, is anchored our hope. That's where our hope needs to be anchored. We can't look at the wind and the waves. We can't look at the cultural ups and downs. We can't look at the, 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 the conditions uh, through mainstream media eyes. We can't look at, amen, there's a God that sits in heaven. His throne is in the heavens and his kingdom rules over every other kingdom. Don't ever quit believing God, Amen. For, for Don't ever lose your hope, don't ever let that anchor be removed from the very presence, the very throne room of God. Doesn't matter what happens, he doesn't change. Two immutable things, he doesn't change and he can't lie. As we get a hold of the promises of God, amen, as, as, as they begin to shape our thinking and shape our life, as it begins to stir our faith, amen, and encourage us, amen, let that anchor Remember, there's an anchor in the very presence of God. The very heart of God, the forerunner, is entered for us. Jesus, amen, having become the high priest, ministering to the heirs of salvation, ministering to you and I, there is a place that we can anchor and weather every storm. No matter how crazy it gets, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, the anchor holds. The anchor holds. Hope is being challenged and stolen today, in the light of all the recent events events. Suicide rate is at an all-time high. Depression is at an all-time high. Oppression is at an all-time high. Hopelessness is at an all-time high in our history. But there's a place to anchor where no devil, no circumstance, no situation, no person can steal that hope. Can't have it. Sorry that's anchored in God. If you can get it away from Him, good luck. Amen? Amen. It's being challenged. But just remember where your anchor is. Now, we're going to we're going to it's going to seem kind of funny, but we're going to we're going to take a boat ride. It's not one of the it's not one of the boat rides you're used to taking. But there's some tremendous parallels that God began to Share with me about anchors and about hope. And it's scriptural. Turn with me to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. The context here is some prisoners, which include the Apostle Paul. They're being shipped to Rome for trial, maybe death, execution. God had spoke to Paul that he needed to get to Rome. There was something that he had to do there. The gospel had to be shared. So they're in their journey. They're in their journey, and things begin to go south. And we're going to pick up in verse 9 of Acts 27, it says, Now, when much time had been sent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only to the cargo and the ship, but to our lives. Now, you've got you to picture the environment that Paul's saying this. He's a prisoner. Roman guards. You, you, you've, you've got sales I mean uh, uh, shipsmen there that are that are that are proficient in sailing, reading the winds, knowing the charts, knowing when to sail, when not to sail, knowing the, the conditions and the strength of the boats and the vessels they're on. And so Paul, a preacher, comes up. He had a little experience in tent making. And he comes up to the captain of the ship. And he comes up to the, the leader of the guards. He said, I perceive this, this trip is going to be with, with, with great loss. We shouldn't make it. Great loss of, of, of cargo and, and men's lives. Don't sail yet. So... What happens next? Nevertheless, verse 11, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Now, Paul had a word of knowledge. Paul had prophetic insight, and he was decreeing something to them, and they rejected it. Verse 12, And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, The majority advised to set sail from there if by any means they could reach Phoenix and and, and harbor in Crete and and opening toward the southwest and the northwest and winter there. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. You know, the enemy will set us up for disaster. It looked like the word, the decree that Paul had made was crazy. The wind was blowing softly. The sea was calm. They decided we need, we need to go for this. The owner of the boat said it would be fine. The shipmaster said it would be good. Wind's blowing softly. But how many of you know when we reject the word of the Lord, eventually... God in His mercy will expose it, but not long after a temp, uh, temp, tempu, t- yeah, tempestuous. Thank you. Tempestuous headwind arose, called Eurycliden. <laughs> this guy can speak Greek and Hebrew fluently too. Probably, amen. He's great. I knew I'd pronounce it wrong, so I might, you might as well hear it right. So a tempestuous wind arises. They name it, which means a bad wind. That's actually what that word means. It's, 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 I mean a horrible wind. And when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. They couldn't control it. There was no way to fight this wind. There was no way to keep, keep, keep their destiny. There was no way to stay focused on the direction they were going. They just had to go wherever the wind carried it. You see, when we, when we reject the word of the Lord, we get out of the word of the Lord, we reject prophetic words or, 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 or words of wisdom, eventually we, we, we get off course. Amen. And other things begin to drive us. Amen? If, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll be driven by those winds and we begin to lose sight of the hope that's anchored within the veil. And so the ship was caught, couldn't navigate through the headwinds. And running under the, the, the shelter of an, of an island called Claudia, we, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And, and verse 17, And when they had taken it on board... They used cables to undergird the ship, fearing lest they would run aground on the uh, citrus sands. They struck sail, and they were driven again. They shored it up, did the best they could, run some cables under it, and then took off again. They knew they would get smashed up if they stayed there, and because there were exceeding tempest, uh, to- they were exceedingly tempest tossed. The next day, they lightened the ship. Amen. That, that's one thing that it, it might be good for us to do if we're being tossed in the tempest, if we're being blown around by all the wind and the waves. Is there anything in us that God wants gone? Is there anything that might smooth this ride out a little bit if we got rid of it? I'm, I'm talking maybe bitterness, maybe unforgiveness, maybe, maybe hatred. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe roots that have been there or generational curses in our life. And, and God says, hey, listen, you're getting driven around in places that I'm not calling you. Let's, let's offload it. They lightened the ship. What, what is, is it? Is it Romans or Hebrews that says lay aside, repent basically of every sin and lay aside every weight that easily besets us. Let's lighten the ship. Be more Christ conscious. Amen? So on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. We threw, we threw the ship's tackle overboard. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us. There's probably people hurling in the ship, hurling over the ship, getting sick. They can't eat. They can't. No small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. That's the enemy strategy in your life and in mine. He wants the winds of life to blow so bad. He wants you to be so hopeless. He wants you to look at things and interpret them through his eyes and not God's eyes. He wants you to interpret them through the flesh and not the kingdom. Amen? So that all hope is finally lost. Don't go there. Man, let that hope be anchored within the veil. It's anchored within the veil. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. That can be depressing right there. And no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Now watch what begins to happen. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, the one that they all believed, he, he just gained some credibility. He said, this is what's going to happen. And he said, you, he said, man, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred, the, incurred this disaster and great loss and this loss. Now, I, I don't think, if I used to read this and think Paul's saying there, you should have listened to me. Ha, 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 you know, if you just listened to me, you wouldn't be in this mess. But I really don't think that. I think his heart was to see them saved. And I think what he was saying is, in essence, by saying, men you, you, you should have listened to me. I, I, I've got an inside track here to God. I'm listening uh, uh, from the throne room. God is speaking to me and I'm trying to preserve and I'm trying to save your life. I care that we make it to Rome. Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss, and now I urge you to take heart. I I don't know, but I got an idea they're listening. I mean, they're all hopes lost. They've thrown all the tackle over. I mean, any hope to be saved was gone. Paul says, I got some good news. I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, only of the ship. Nobody's going to die. Do you know what that would have have sounded like to that crew? I think they were hoping he was right. They, They were trying to lay hold of any little hope that flowed from that prophetic declaration. He had heard from God, and he was declaring it. He says in verse 23, this is how this word came. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God of whom I belong and whom I serve. Now, he's got a captive audience. Not faith, but fear is riddling that boat. Hopelessness. But, but there stood before me tonight an angel of the God of whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. They wouldn't listen to him. Paul's been going through the same storms. He's been fasting. Had to watch him throw over the tackle. Going through the exact same environment, but he never let his anchor come out of the throne room. Amen. It was anchored in Christ Jesus and he went on the offensive and began to pray for the for the for the saving of the life of everyone on that ship those that had him in in bondage those that were taking him to to, to Caesar those that were those that were uh, that rejected His word, those that sailed when he said don't sail, those that, the the, the ship master, the one who built the boat said go, all of them, God, he's interceding for them, he's praying for them and he said an angel stood by me tonight, I had an encounter with an angel, the presence of God, amen, the the angel shows up, he says the boat's going to be trashed but you're going to make it. I mean, I wonder how I would have been praying. I mean, would I have been thinking about anybody else (laughs) on that boat? Would I be interceding? He said, I've given you everyone on this ship, which meant he was praying for them. And God has granted you all. Who did he grant? Paul. He said he granted you all those who sail with you. Paul asked for him, Paul got him. I would have been praying, God, get me to a safe island. Don't let anybody else on here make it. I don't want to go to Rome, I don't want to face Caesar. I, I, Amen. No, he's he's interceding for the ones who hold him captive. Does that sound familiar? Of the one who ever sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for those who sent him to the cross. Interceding, amen, his blood is pleading for us every day and every night. The wounds of his hand, the stripes on his back, the crown that he he bore is, is pleading for us every day and every night. The very ones who sent him to the cross. Because of sin. Paul had tapped into a relationship with Jesus like no one else at that time. That in those circumstances, in those situations, the, the test would come, the, the, the test for Paul would be how would he respond? What authority and what power would be released in his life because he was not just burdened for his own life, but everybody around him. You ever ask God to give you more authority and more power? Lord, I want to be anointed with the Holy Ghost in power. I want to go to the daily prayer mind. I want to go about doing good, healing all that are oppressed of the devil. Amen. When we come to that place when it's not about us, when we're absolutely surrendered, when we say, God, I, I, I'm anchored in the throne room. This isn't about me. I've got to pray your heart. I've got to know your heart. I've got to encounter your love. I've got I to put on display your love. I've got to care more about others than myself. I can't be in this self-preservation mode. God, it's got to be all about you and it's got to be all about others. Amen. I think there's an empowering and an equipping that takes place with that kind of faith and that kind of positioning and shift in our lives that will enable us to meet the needs of others as they arise. Amen. Amen. And you say, well, I've tried it, but it don't work. Well, keep trying. Keep doing it. Keep believing. Keep praying. Amen. We've tasted some pretty huge miracles here, but I want more. It's not that I don't appreciate what we've seen. I just see more hurt, more pain than what we've got faith to deal with. And I don't want that. Amen. I want my hope anchored within the veil. I, I want more of God. Amen. I, I, I remember, I heard a... I think it was Pastor Pete told me he, in, in cl- one of his classes or something, there was a guy traveling with... I think it was Bill Johnson. And he was sleeping. And... Uh, sound asleep. And the the other guy had to get up and use the bathroom. They were in the same room. And he heard, I think it was Bill Johnson laying on the bed, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of you. In his sleep, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of you. I mean, his heart was so towards the Lord that in his sleep, there was just this constant cry and prayer, God, I got to have more of you. I got to have more of you. Amen? Amen. See, this is what God, this is what God wants to bring us. He wants us to be, amen, so, so entrenched in him, his plan, his love, that in any circumstance, any test, any boat ride, any shipwreck, amen, we prevail because we're anchored within the veil. So he says to him, Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Be encouraged, boys. God spoke just like I told you before and it happened. He spoke again. You're going to be all right. However, we must run aground on a certain island. (laughs) However, we're going to crash. You're going to be all right. You're not going to die, but we're going to crash and we ain't going to have no way off. Until it's provided for us, we're we're going to. But I began to see something different. We're going to look at what happened on that island. He said, "However, we must run aground on a certain island." In other words, God had revealed that to him. God says, "I got a plan for you on that island. I got a purpose for you on that island." So while you're on your way to stand before Caesar and be judged, we need some revival to break forth on some islands. And because you're anchored within the veil, and because you're speaking my heart to, these, to this crew on this ship, over 120-some people, and because you're not afraid to decree it and declare it, you got to head to an island. i got to work for you to do there. Now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, And about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. Fourteen more days after this word. And they took soundings. The sailors sensed they were getting close to land. They took soundings and found to be 20 fathoms. How many feet is a fathom? Six. Is that what you said? Oh, you were close. It's six. All right. It isn't because I studied that. I looked it up this morning because I was preaching on it. It's not that I'm that smart. I just got curious. I wonder how how long a fathom is. So they found themselves 20 fathoms. They went a little further. They sounded again. They were 15 fathoms. In other words, it was shallowing up. And then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped off what? Four anchors. From the stern. And they prayed. There's a little shift in the attitude here of some of the crew. And they prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skift into the sea under the pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, in other words, they were trying to fake everybody out. The, the, these sailors who were supposed to be running the ship and sailing the ship to its destination, said, hey, we're getting close enough to land, let's put this skiff down and let's get out of here. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, they were doing this in secret, Paul knew. Unless these men stay in the ship, they cannot be saved. Amen, unless our anchor stays within the veil, unless we stay in Christ, unless our life is hid with Christ in God, amen, unless these men stay on the ship, they they can't be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and they let it fall off. You know what's interesting? The first ones to obey Paul now are the soldiers. The ones that are guarding him. You talk about getting favor. Hey, listen, guys, I know we're the supreme authority here. We're on a mission representing Caesar, but this guy, he's not your average bear. Everything he said, it's happened just like he said. So let's cut the ropes of that thing. Let's spare their lives. Don't let them sail away. And let's see how this plays out. Then they, Paul encourages them. The day, uh, day was about to dawn, and Paul implored them and said, Look, take some food. Today's the 14th day since you've, you've, wait, uh, you've, you've waited and, and continued without food and without eating anything. He says, Therefore, I urge you, take some nourishment, for this is your survival. This is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from your head of any of you. Now he's telling them, look, eat. I already fasted, so you don't have to. I already got the mind of the Lord, got the heart of God. It was revealed to me. I've declared it to you. Now eat and get some nourishment. And he said these things. He took bread, and he gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Paul's having a communion service. He's having church on that boat. Now it hasn't got any better. Now, who's in command of the ship? What kingdom is ruined this ship now? And then, then, they were all encouraged. They went from absolute hopelessness from being saved. They were all. everybody say all. They were all encouraged and they also took food for themselves. The presence of God had so flooded that ship because of one man who prevailed to not look at the wind, to not look at the magnitude of the storm, to not look at his destiny, to not look at what lied ahead of him, but to get the heart of God for everybody on that ship, to get the heart of God for the purpose of this, of this uh, trip that he was having to take And he prevailed. And in all, we were 200, oh, I was wrong, 276 persons on the ship. Paul interceded and and their lives were saved. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. Still having to light the ship so they don't sink, lighten the ship. And when it was day, and they did not recognize the land, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they uh, planned to run the ship if possible. They didn't know where they were necessarily, but they saw that there was a beach, and we might make it from there. And as they let go the what? The anchors. I began to get fresh revelation about this. As they let go the anchors, And left them in the sea. Meanwhile, losing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail in the wind and made it for shore. You know, God wants us to let go of our fleshly anchors. He wants us to let go of those things that that we've been anchored in for years because they've been our maybe emotional or, or, or spiritual defaults, but they haven't really worked for us. They're keeping us from really being anchored within the veil. They're keeping us from totally surrendering and, and, and not really giving in totally to the Lord. Surrendering our heart and our lives to the, to the Lord. You know, we cultivate things over the years and sometimes, you know, it starts at a very young age and we learn how to divert. We learn how to dodge. We learn how to weave. We, we, we build these defaults in us that work when we're embarrassed or work when we're struggling or maybe they, 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 they try to, we use them to try to get through anxiety and fear and And when when we're hopeless and we try certain things, some people turn to drugs, some people turn to alcohol, some turn to relationships, some turn to occult activity. There's any number of things where we can turn. And if we're not careful, we begin to anchor in those things, but they'll reach a time when those anchors are going to hinder us and hold us back from really encountering the truth and being anchored within the veil. Amen? They cut loose the anchors. Some of us need to cut loose some anchors this morning. And get the anchor within the veil. But sticking, verse 41. But sticking, but striking a place where the two the two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. Storm hasn't let up. What did Paul say? The ship's going to be stove up. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. But listen to this, which would have been normal procedure by the Roman government, by the way. You didn't lose a prisoner if you were a Roman guard because that meant you were next. If they escaped under your watch, you didn't get to make it to another watch. So the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. It says, but the centurion, he's over the hundred, wanting to save Paul, Man, there's been a shift in some hearts. The centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest grabbed some boards some, uh, some, uh, on parts of the, of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped. Everybody say all. all. They all escaped safely to land. Paul said it. Decreed the word of the Lord. Now, this is something that if it don't happen, you get exposed pretty quick. These were life or death situations. Now, we're going to go, we'll just look at a few verses in Acts 28 in closing, because I love this. It says, now, when they had escaped, they found that they were on the island called Malta, in verse 2, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. So not only were they in a terrible storm, but it, it was raining and freezing. So they built a fire, they, they huddled them in, 270 some of them, they embraced it says, and when Paul had gathered bund- a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, what's Paul doing? Helping them get firewood. He isn't saying, no, you need to serve me. I just, I just decreed that you, you, you were going to live and you were going to be safe and you were gonna-. no, you see the servant's heart. You see this, the, the, the heart of Paul here. Paul gathering a bundle of sticks. He laid them on the fire. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. What would my prayer been then? Really? They were all waiting for him to drop dead. What did they think? Immediately they thought the worst. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, now they knew what this creature was. It was native to their island. They said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. So this is the environment of faith that Paul has to work with on this island. Just about like it was on the boat. But he shook the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Didn't say nothing. Just said, get out of here. They had a little snake meat for supper. I don't know about that, but it went into the fire and it burned. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. Aren't you glad that God doesn't deal with you by other people's expectations? Huh? My expectations of him. They were just expecting that he would just croak. Suddenly fall down dead. But they looked for a long time Every eye on him, and he's just enjoying the fire. They looked for a long time, and they saw no harm come to him. Now watch. They changed their minds and said he was a god. You talk about flip-flopping. Well, he's a murderer, and, 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 and he, he's going to die. He might escape the sea, but he ain't escaping this serpent, and he's going to die. Well, now they want to worship him. He's God. In that region, so this was the atmosphere that Paul was in. In that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Getting them back on their feet, warmed up, fed. And it happened when the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery, Paul went into him and prayed and laid hands on him and he healed him. I appreciate your hospitality, buddy. Let's, let's get you healed up. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had heard... Do you think word like that spreads? He was he a was pretty popular guy on that island. He said, so when the rest of the island had heard... All who were diseased, all who were sick, all who were diseased also came and were what? Were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided us such things as were necessary. Now, I've heard of Making the best out of bad situations. But this is a kingdom thing. This, this is a God thing. This, this is a, a covenant thing that Paul understood because his anchor wasn't out on the ships that need to be cut off. It wasn't in, in and he was a brilliant man. If anybody had defaults that, that he could have worked up, it would have been him. In fact, a couple times he used them in the book of Acts and it didn't work and he never did again. But when we're anchored within the veil and that's where we really live, I believe that there can be a shift in our hearts. There, There can be a... A, a renewing of our minds that, like Paul, we can bring about the redemptive purposes that God has for us in our region, in our sphere of influence. We can, we can be the messenger. We can, we can be the servant that God uses to bring light and life, healing and deliverance and salvation to those around us. Amen? I've, I've been in some pretty rough water. Nothing like this. Amen. I've encountered some some pretty rough things. But nothing like this. And look how it didn't even slow God down. on What he had for the people on that island. What he had for the Apostle Paul. What he wanted them on the ship to encounter. Amen. They they saw, I believe, uh, the attribute and the nature and the character of God in a way that they had never ever seen it as it was lived and demonstrated by the Apostle Paul. Why? Because he prayed the heart of heaven. Because in the midst of it all, he could separate himself, he knew where his hope was anchored, and he pressed in until he heard from God, and then he could give the word of the Lord to those who weren't capable of doing it for themselves. That's where God wants to bring us. Amen? Amen? This is what's available in God. Let's stand together this morning. The worship ministry come. I know that probably wasn't a boat ride that any of us would like to take. But man, when you begin to see the opportunity to encounter the Lord, the way they all encountered the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, it, it, well, you say, "Why? Why do you keep saying that?" Because some of us, you know, we we get in things, we face things. The the storm rages. There's things we don't understand. There's things that it's hard to navigate through. And I want you to just just be uh, encouraged this morning that if if you're anchored within the veil in the presence of God, and He is preeminent in your life, there isn't. Anything in any place you can find yourself that God can't bring about His redemptive purposes and maybe heal and save a bunch of others on the way. Amen? Don't lose heart. They went from being absolutely hopeless to being encouraged by the word of the Lord that was proclaimed by Paul. By breaking bread and a revel, I believe they encountered a revelation of Jesus in that breaking of bread. And Paul prayed. And they went from utter hopelessness to being encouraged. If you're hopeless this morning, that's where God wants to bring you. If you need encouragement in any way, if you've been believing for a loved one for a long time, or you've been, you've been maybe you're in a rough job situation, or maybe certain mandates are affecting you in a way that you don't know what your future looks like. Remember, you're anchored in the veil. God will bring about his redemptive purposes. And God will take care of you. No life will be lost. <laughs> in fact, he might heal you in the journey. It might use you to minister healing and life to others. Amen? Thank you, Lord. If you want to be a candidate this morning... For that kind of relationship that Paul put on display on that ship. Amen. Just lift your hands and hearts towards heaven. God will take us right where we are, and we will continue in that journey. Father, we just come before you today. And God, we can't help but survey the needs around us. And God, if we just look at the needs, if we just look at our culture, if we just if we just look at the political arena and and other things, the economy and other things that are going on, God, we would all be without hope. But God, we're not gonna focus on that this morning. God, we we are anchored within the veil and God, we lift our vision, God, upon you. And God, we're asking that we wouldn't just retreat, we wouldn't just hoard up or retreat, but God, that we would be aggressive in our pursuit for you God, and and that we would engage you in such a way that there would be such a deposit of your presence, of your glory in our lives. God, that we would be a part of the glory of the Lord that covers the earth as the waters does the sea. God, that we would so encounter you and so know your heart and give expression to your heart that wherever we go, we can minister healing We could minister life and vitality. God, that we would see souls saved by the hundreds, by the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands. God, that the gospel, God, that would be a gospel light in every home throughout America. God, that this revival would jump the seas to the nations. And God, that we would encounter you like never before. God, we know you're moving. We know you're moving mightily in the young people. We know you're moving mightily, God. You've got pockets throughout this country. God, where they're, where they're encountering you on a regular basis. And God, for that, we're grateful. We pray that this movement gains momentum. God, that it's fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that strongholds are brought down over homes. Strongholds are brought down over families. God, that strongholds are brought down over a nation. Hallelujah. And God, that revival begins to sweep through this country from coast to coast. God, we pray for a spiritual awakening such as never been seen before in our history. And God, we've had some great revivals in our history. And for that, we're grateful. But God, there's so many that are hurting and broken. So many that are deceived. God, guide our hearts to not be bitter against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. But principalities, powers, rulers of wickedness in high places, of which you've given us effective weapons to war with. And our victory is secure. God, our hope is within the veil this morning. Our eyes are upon you. Encourage every heart here today, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him. If you need prayer this morning, then we would be glad to pray for you for for any reason. But especially if you don't know the Lord, if you've never given your heart to the Lord and you feel God drawing you this morning and you would like to know him, we would love to help you on into his kingdom. Amen? Let's worship him.